in the fourth week of our Force Awakens series, the fourth and final series. Our scripture reading today comes from the book of John, the Gospel of John, specifically. Chapter 15, and quite a few verses, 1 through 17. Uh, it's going to be on the screen, but it's going to be pretty tricky to read because there's a lot of stuff. I thought I'd throw it up there anyway. If you'd like to follow along, you may do so in your own Bibles or Bible apps. John chapter 15, 1 through 17. Hear these words. I am the true vine. My Father is the vine keeper. He removes any of my branches that don't produce fruit, and He trims any branches that produce fruit, so that they will produce even more fruit. You already are already trimmed because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. A branch can't produce fruit by itself, but it must remain in the vine. Likewise, you can't produce fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, then you will produce much fruit. Without me, you can't do anything. If you don't remain in me, you'll be like a branch that is thrown out and dries up. Those branches are gathered up, thrown into a fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask for whatever you want and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified when you produce fruit and in this way prove that you are my disciples. As the Father loved me, I too have loved you. Remain in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will remain in my love just as I kept my Father's commandments and remain in His love. I have said these things to you so that my joy will be in you and your joy will be complete. This is my commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. No one has greater love than to give one's life up for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. I don't call you servants any longer because servants don't do what know what their master is doing. Instead, I call you friends because everything I heard from my Father, I have made known to you. You didn't choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you could go and produce fruit and so that your fruit could last. As a result, whatever you ask the Father in my name, He will give you. I give you these commandments so that you can love each other. I bless the reading of the Gospel today. Let's have a word of prayer. So we begin our teaching time. Lord, we thank You for this beautiful weekend, this reminder that yes, it is spring. Yes, there is new life. Yes, there is resurrection. Yes, the Holy Spirit did come and is coming and will come. As we move into ordinary time, as we move into summer, as we move out of school seasons, keep reminding us to abide in You, remain in You. Keep nurturing us. Provide us with what we need, the strength and nourishment to continue to love each other as You commanded us to do. Make us one as You are one. We pray this in Your holy name. Amen. Some of you know that I dabbled in, I don't know if that's correct, for many years, 20, 30, no, quite a few years now, I have played the clarinet. I played from the time I was eight 
and I played in orchestral bands and symphonic bands, and I got a scholarship to go to college, a music scholarship, and I toured Europe and all that kind of stuff. And I loved, I say it past tense because I don't do it anymore, I loved playing in a band, and I loved playing in an orchestra. My father was here several weeks ago and told you I didn't like parades. (laughs) That's true. I was not a big fan of marching band at all. Some people, you know, Jennifer's cousin Jack, man, he's down there in Lassiter in Georgia. That's like one of the best marching bands in the world. If, if that was, I was part of that, that would have been awesome. But I was involved in a really great state winning for 15, 16 years now concert band. And I loved that. And, and when I played in the orchestra in college, I loved that. Not so much solos. Not so much recitals. I had to do things. I, I even forget what we called them, but you had to go and you had to go play and you know they gave you your scholarship if you did okay, I guess. I don't know how that worked. But I loved playing with the group because in the midst of a symphony, in the midst of a performance, you know, we would play for an hour, an hour and a half, two hours. We would do whole orchestrations with the orchestra. Beautiful, beautiful symphonies. You could lose yourself. Your part, you know, I played clarinet, and in the orchestra I played second clarinet. There was only two, so I was the second one, right? Um, not a lot of clarinets in our chamber orchestra, but I was, I was the second clarinet. And, and, and that part, that one part, became something bigger, right? Became something, this little part became something, part of something much bigger. And so you could lose yourself in it. Lose yourself in the experience. And I love that. I miss that. You don't get that necessarily when you're performing by yourself, but, you know, sometimes, but I worry about the technical things, and that takes you out of it. But we talk about that in all kinds of schools of thought, right? We talk about that in singing and art, losing yourself in the music, losing yourself in the art. We talk about tradesmen, craftspeople, that the tools are an extension of who they are, right? Watch the Cubs win today. That's always good. You know, the, the baseball and the bat, those are extensions of the athlete. You've heard that before. NASCAR drivers. The car is an extension of who they are. Whatever you're talking about, we talk about union all kinds of ways in our world. We talk about union in our families. We want to be united. We talk about that in our church. We talk about, of course, the union of marriage, relationship. Yet union is something we struggle with in our world isn't it? We've seen that in our church. We've seen that in our country. At least as long as I've been alive. Sometimes division seems easier than unity. But tonight as we finish our series, The Force Awakens, and we finish our look at the mystic path of Christianity, we are talking about the ultimate goal. The ultimate goal, which is union. Just a refresher course, I know some of you haven't caught up, and you can do that, of course, on our podcast. The mystic path of Christianity is just a way that we live our faith, and it is a way that looks to experience God, but ultimately looks to become one with the divine. So Evelyn Underhill, in her very definitive work, Mysticism, says there's five experiences that the mystic has. There's awakening, we awaken to the world of the God, the world of the divine. There's self-knowledge. We understand who we are and where we are in that world. There is illumination. 
That is the experience of just being able to feel that light. To feel God, to hear God, to experience gifts, to have your physical and spiritual perceptions increased. But that's not the end, as good as that is. That's not the end. Last week we talked about surrender. The fourth stage, the fourth step. Being able to surrender yourself. Being able even to surrender that experience of God and God's light. And we talked about the dark night of the soul. Mystics, great mothers and fathers of Christianity who experienced great spiritual droughts in their lives where they didn't experience God at all. Where they felt their spiritual gifts were just weakening. But that leads to union. And that's the final step. That's the end of the journey. It's also the most difficult to talk about because the least amount of people have experienced it. Up until this point, we got a whole bunch of people that have experienced awakening. Like the most amount of people, right, have experienced awakening. Even if it's just a glimmer, even if it's you know, just a performance, even if you don't know anything about God, but you get caught up in a painting, you get caught up in what you're doing, you know, you're just driving on Interstate 80 and you, know, you, don't end, you, you get to your destination, you don't know how you got there, right? Those kind of moments. Most people have had those moments. They may not have woken up, but they've experienced them. Self-knowledge, a lot of people have experienced. Illumination, a lot of people have experienced and wrote about extensively. The dark night. Now, we've all had those moments, struggles in our lives. That spiritual drought, we have wonderful Wonderful accounts, people writing what that drought looks like, what that desert looks like. The union, we've not had a lot of people talk about it, and I guess if they, if they had experienced it, they probably wouldn't talk about it because of the humility, because of who they were. They wouldn't say, yes, oh yeah, I'm one, one with God. They may say it in, in one way or another. So it's the hardest state to talk about, but it's still our goal. And we still have some examples of what it might look like. Now, there are some people that think about it as losing oneself. You've ever seen a unity candle at a wedding? You know, there's, there's three candles. There's a big candle, then two little candles, right? And in the unity, there's sand ceremonies and all that. I've done all kinds of stuff. But um, in the unity candle, just imagine it's sitting here. People listening at home, I don't have one. That would have been a great prop to bring. So just imagine, you know, one big candle, two little candles. And in many ceremonies, you know, the bride and groom, uh, they light their individual candle, then they light the big candle, and then sometimes they extinguish their individual candles as if their individualness had had gone now that they are joined as one. Um, Most of us who are married know that's not true, is it? Nor should it be true. Because we are still individuals, but we are also now something new. And so union with God is not the total loss of self, but it is being unable to distinguish between your will and God's will. Because your will and God's will are one. And ultimately, that's what we're looking at. So I want to give you some examples, and of course we will start with Examples from Star Wars. As we have been through this entire series, looking to see the mystic way of the Force, 
how that leads and how that gives us a wonderful, beautiful imagery of how the mystic path may live out in Christianity. So I have a clip today. We'll just save it. Oh, oh okay. I don't. Just save it for a second. Uh, let me set it up, especially for the people at home. It's one of the reasons I haven't been using clips. It's, it's hard to hear a clip. A clip. Yeah, well, it's hard to hear it if you're listening to the podcast, is what I meant, because they just listen. They don't see. So anyway, so I'll set it up. Um, the clip we're about to see is of Ray and Kylo Ren dueling. I think in the DVD, it's like uh, episode or chapter 42, 43. It's called The Duel or something like that. Uh, so you can watch it if you want to reference it. But it's the final duel. Interestingly enough, I think this is a moment we're going to see of union. If you haven't seen the movie, or remind you uh, of what's going on if you have seen the movie. Ray, the main character, has had this wonderful awakening. She was isolated, alone, didn't know anything about the Force. She woke up to the world of the Force, right? She started to understand. She had this beautiful moment of self-knowledge. No, she thought people were going to come for her, but no, no one was coming but there might be a future in front of her. She runs away from that. She gets captured, but then she wakes up and she starts realizing, yes, I have powers, I have abilities, I can do things. Then some pretty bad things happen. Her new mentor that she met, Han Solo, he's killed. Her friend Finn is wounded by Kylo Ren and she finds herself alone, confronted with this very dark, foreboding presence. And she takes the lightsaber, which she was afraid to wield, and she decides to fight Kylo Ren, who is a trained Force user, a trained Sith, or a trained dark side Force user. And so she is afraid. She doesn't know if she's going to be able to win, but she takes the courage, and that's the scene we're going to watch. So look, for moments of surrender and moments of union, uh, do we have somebody... Matt, could you turn off the lights? All right, so let's see if this, uh, this clip works.
interesting. I see if you saw that moment of surrender. Here she is, outpowered, outskilled, although Kylo had been hurt pretty severely. And she is at a precipice, right? There's literally a cliff behind her. And he says to her, you need a teacher. I can show you the ways of the force. And what does she do? She says the force. It was hard to hear. She says the force, like question mark. And she closes her eyes. Let me tell you, as a martial artist, it's never good to close your eyes in the middle of a fight, especially a sword fight. But she surrenders herself. That was her moment of surrender. She surrenders herself. She lets the force embrace her. She becomes one with the force just for a moment, I think. This is a moment, not a, a, a complete life change, but just a moment. And for many of us, and then she's able to win the battle, for many of us, that is what we may experience. A moment of union. It may not be an experience that lasts forever, but there may just be a moment. A moment. For some of us, it's similar events to like awakening events, those events that change our lives. For some of us, it's those events then that are just moments of union. Perfectly understanding where God is calling you. Perfectly knowing where God is sending you. Jennifer and I definitely had an experience, a, a joint experience of union, just a, a, a moment, just a second. When we were on our walk to Emmaus weekends, uh, mine first and then Jennifer's, and we both came away in those moments knowing we needed to become foster parents. We experienced that moment of union. It wasn't a, a perfect ongoing thing but it was just a moment truly understanding god's will truly knowing our will and god's will just being one and that's been reassured and reassured and reassured so for a lot of people that's that's what may happen and it may come out of those dark nights it may come out of those storms it may come after those moments of surrender yes i just finally need to to lay this down i finally need to get over this or, or get over that I finally need to let go of this part of my will. Now in the Star Wars universe, there's a lot of characters that have experienced union, long-lasting union with the Force, and they become Force ghosts. Qui-Gon in the original trilogy, he was the first to kind of figure it out. It's funny, just as an aside, here you have this order of Jedi in the Star Wars movies in the original or the prequel trilogy. Excuse me in the prequels, and they had become pretty dogmatic. And they were more focused on what they had and their power and their status than really what their goal was. And their goal was to be union with the Force, and they forgot that. It's not too much different than, well, the religious people of Jesus' time. It's not too much different than the church throughout history. Sometimes we get lost and we lose our focus. We, we forget our focus is following Christ. Our focus is being one with God one with the will of the Father. But Qui-Gon figured it out. He became one with the Force. He reached out to, if you watch the Clone Wars cartoon, which is canon, he reached out to Yoda. Yoda becomes one with the Force. Obi-Wan becomes one with the Force. We talked about that. I believe Luke, we talked about that last week, becomes one 
with the force. I'm interested to see how that all turns out here in these next couple movies. And so we experience that. Some people believe that's, that's really how we experience union. It happens when you die. It happens at the end of your life. You literally surrender your life and, and you become one with God. Well, maybe. We'll see. In our Christian history, in our Christian examples, there are so many people who have talked about it or just reflected upon it. Many of us and many mystics believe that St. John, who wrote the Gospel of John and the letters, um, the epistles of John, we believe that his community, the Johannine community, had experienced this, this union. That that community and that that not only author, but those people around him had truly experienced what it was to be one with the will of God. And you can just, you can just read it. I mean, if you, read, if you read Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and then you read John, totally different. It's kind of spiritual. It's, it's kind of crazy. It's light and dark. It's, it's very mystic in nature. And so are the letters. You know, read you know, Acts or, or read Romans and Corinthians and Ephesians and then read... First John, Second John, and Third John—totally different, and different authors, obviously, but a little different take on it. Paul was a lawyer. Paul was a legal expert, but John just had this experience of God and was looking for union with God from day one. John Wesley, the founder of the Methodist movement, calls it Christian perfection: being one with God by loving neighbor and loving. God. Christian perfection. That's the goal, he says, of Christianity. To be perfectly in love with God and perfectly in love with your neighbor. And Jesus, Jesus says that in our Scripture today, doesn't He? Remain in Me. You are the branches. I am the vine. And He says it about 14 times in the Gospel of John. This is My commandment. You know, we have a lot of people that talk and I, I hear a lot of people and read a lot of things talking about what the Bible teaches us. Well, Jesus over and over and over and over and over and over again says, this is my commandment in case you missed it, love one another. In case you, you know, you haven't been around or you hadn't been, you know, you've been skimming the rest of it. Love one another over and over and over again. Now I know some of you throughout this entire series are thinking, you know, this is kind of weird. Maybe this is New Age stuff. Just the name mysticism, that's kind of strange, right? You know, we're talking about supernatural experiences, spiritual experiences. Well, first of all, mysticism is as old as Christianity. We have people calling themselves mystics in the 300s in the desert. And of course, mysticism really hit its stride in the Middle Ages, which was not a nice time to live, in case you know your history. Pretty bad time to live, actually. And the great mystic mothers and fathers, most of them came from the Middle Ages. But I believe there is one key example that shows us the entire process from awakening to union. One person who truly epitomizes what this journey looks like. And he guesses who that might be. This is like the, the um, children's lesson answer. 
It's Jesus, yes. Yeah. If you don't know the answer, nine out of ten times, it's probably Jesus. It is. Jesus, when he was 12 years old. Now, I know some people think, well, you know, Jesus always knew he was God, and I've preached a lot about that. I don't necessarily believe that. And Jesus always had all these powers and everything else. That kind of takes away from Jesus' humanity. I believe Jesus walked this journey just like we walked this journey. And that makes Jesus that much more powerful. Because Jesus has walked with us and is walking with us. So when Jesus was 12, he goes, as an adult man for the first time, goes to the festival, the high holy days. And he is just, wow. He's awakened to this world. And he knows, yes, God the Father is my Father. And I'm going to spend as much time in my Father's house as I can. Awakening. Self-knowledge. Any guesses to what Jesus' self-knowledge experience was? He goes to the river. He gets baptized by his cousin John. The heavens open up and God says to him, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And then what happens? He goes out to the desert. The Holy Spirit throws him into the wilderness. And for 40 days, he is tempted and he has self-knowledge experiences. And once he gets out of the desert, Jesus knows who he is and whose he is. And then three years. Wow, what a three-year trip, right? Miracles, healing. Walking on water, multiplying loaves and fishes. If you want to talk about unity with God, if you want to talk about light, talk about the transfiguration. He's on the mountain, engulfed in light. Moses is there, Elijah is there, the disciples are just, wow, what's going on? Illumination, healing, miracles, supernatural things. He senses things and hears things that no one ever has before. Three years he lives in that illuminated state. Three years, he shows people what it looks like, how you need to live, how you need to get there, how you need to be awakened to who you are and live into what you are meant to be. And Jesus has a dark night experience. He goes to Jerusalem. He is arrested. He is put on trial. He is mocked, beaten. Eventually, he is executed in the most humiliating way possible. But before that starts, what does he do? He prays on that Thursday night, not my will, but your will be done. Sweating blood drops, the Bible says. In pain, the Bible says. He says, yes, I know where I am going, and I surrender, that's our fourth stage, my will to your will. And if you want to get real, dark night, Jesus dies and he descends to the dead and to hell. And however you interpret that, that's a pretty dark night because in the very basic understanding of what hell is, it is complete separation from God. And so last week we talked about sometimes our dark night, sometimes surrender is actually being able to surrender all of those good things, that joy and that peace and that love and that hope and being able to say, you know what, God, I want to be in relationship with you and I don't care about that stuff. 
being in relationship with you is more important than the good feelings that I have going to church and serving on things and singing in the choir and those things. Being in relationship with you is more important than that. So Jesus, now it was only less than three days, but who knows how long that experience felt separated from God in the place of the dead. And then what happened? He rose again. He defeated death. And he ascended into heaven. And I don't think there's any more sure experience of union than Christ's experience of union with God. So that's our model. That's our example. From awakening to union. Now this is something we have to work on our whole lives. It's something we are tasked to do. Ever coming closer. Every day moving closer and closer. Every hour moving closer and closer. Spending that kind of time. You know an artist. You know I love some of you know. I love to watch uh, The Voice. The Voice just finished up. And American Idol and those singing competitions. And you can tell the really gifted singers, like, like the natural singers from, from the like super talented ones, because there are some who have mechanical talent and there are some who are just, they just know how to sing. And it's usually, though, there can be great singers, they just, they have a perfect, you know, perfect pitch, perfect, you know, mechanisms, perfect technical skill. But it's those people when they sing who lose themselves in the music that you get drawn to. That you get drawn to. And believe me, they have to work to do that. And they have to devote a lot of their time and surrender their whole selves to that art and to that experience. And so we need to do the same. And not only individually, and that's what I want to end with. John Wesley, the founder of our church, hated mysticism in one respect. He hated quietists which is a kind of a sect of mysticism. Because he did not like people that separated themselves from the world to get into relationship with God. Now, we need to separate ourselves from time to time, right? We need to take a Sabbath day, a a sabbatical. We need to get away, do a retreat, that kind of stuff. But there are people that have just separated themselves. And the Desert Fathers in Christian tradition in the 3rd century, they actually separated themselves from the world so that they could become close to God. But the majority of mystics have said, no, you need to go closer to God, but you have to be able to do that in the community called the church. Because you need to do this for the benefit of the world, for the benefit of your neighbor, for the benefit of all of your brothers and sisters. The closer you are, the more beneficial you will be to our world. And when you are truly struggling, you need people there who can bring you out. And We talked about that last week. So this is not just a solo expedition. This is a journey we take together. Christ walks with us. He's ultimately our goal, but also our companion. And then every brother and sister we have. And not just, and we're going to talk about this in our next series, not just all of us living, but the great cloud of witnesses who has come before. They journey with us to this thing called union. Amen. Now, I've been giving you some things you can do, and I want to talk about one thing that's a little bit more um, accessible, I think, to everybody. 
And that is what we call here formation groups. Now, living our faith and working on our faith, we need to be able to do it together. We need to be able to do it together. That's why we gather for worship. That's why we gather around the table. That's why we gather to praise. That's why we do mission trips. And that's why we do service projects. And that's why we have the paper angel closet. That's why we eat pizza together. And that's why we go out. And that's why we have Kids Olympics. And that's why we do everything. But sometimes you need very specific, specific times where you and a couple other people can get together and really say, okay, how are you doing in this whole thing called faith. And and sometimes our fellowship events aren't enough. Sometimes worship isn't enough. And and so we devised a program called Formation Groups. And the cool thing about this is if you get one of our flyers, everything is in here. and, and, And a formation group is basically a covenant group. It's a small group just meant for two or three people, maybe four people at most, to get together on a regular basis and ask questions Methodists have been asking each other for several hundred years. And, and I have the questions written out and I have a sample covenant you can do and I have sample um, you know, purpose and all that kind of stuff and I have prayers written out so you don't have to, you know, everything's right here. That's what I'm getting at. Take it and go, you know. How is it with your soul? Methodists have been asking each other that for hundreds of years now. How is it with your soul? It, it's hard for me to ask you that on Saturday night. You know, when we're sitting here. And it would be hard for you to answer because even though there's not a lot of us, there's still too many of us to be truly honest. You know, Bible studies. You know, when, when, when John Wesley started this, he used to do groups of like 12 to 20. And they would go around and uh, we can't do that anymore, right? It takes a long time for a group of 20 people to get comfortable enough with each other to be able to honestly answer that question. It takes a lot of time for 12 people to do it. It takes a lot of time for six people to do it. It takes a considerable amount of time for three people to do it, but much less time. And so that's why we've pared it down to just three or four people. How is it with your soul? How, how's it really going? How are you really doing? And then here's the questions that follow. Where have you experienced God? We've talked about that, right? The experience of God. Where have you experienced God since the last time we've met? Oh, the questions are back there. Where have you experienced God since our last formation? Question three, what have you done to grow closer to God and others since our last formation? Um, Because if your answer number two is, I really haven't, then the follow-up question, okay, what have you done? (laughs) You know, what's your investment in it? Now, sometimes you don't need to be invested in God acts anyway, but what is your investment? And then question four, what are you going to do this month? What are you going to do this month? I'm going to get up five minutes earlier and I'm going to read a devotional every day. You know? I'm going to do that breath prayer when I'm brushing my teeth. That's a little difficult, I I realize. Well, you're brushing your teeth and breathing. That's Some of you just do not have the skill to do that. So I apologize. So, uh, you know, figure out what you need to do. But, you know, it doesn't have to be, you know, I'm going to read the whole Bible. You know? I'm going to go to Africa and convert, you know, a whole country. No, start small, start simple and work your way up. Figure out something you can do. And so I encourage you, you know, if we had unlimited resources, we do not. And and if you look at the plan, the new life plan, uh, the long range plan, this is in it. 
Um, but, but if we did have unlimited resources, the next staff person I would hire would be a person to do this full time, to help set up these groups, get them going, and then keep setting up more groups. Because I believe in it that much that everyone should be in group, involved in a group like this. I have a spiritual uh, director. I meet with every month and talk about these things. I have two peer groups of clergy that meet every month, talk about these things. I think it's that important. And, and I think you need to be able to do it. And the best thing is, uh, we don't really need a full-time person because you can just grab one of these and go, oh yeah, you know, hey, let's grab coffee with some people that I know, and, and let's just start doing that. It's so simple. So I encourage you, if you're looking for that next step, how can I get closer to God? How can I break through? You know, I kind of feel in a spiritual drought. How can I break through? Try it. You know, what's coffee once a month? You know, what's getting together for dinner once a month? At, at worst, it's just going to be a nice time to sit around and talk. But at best, it might be the breakthrough you're looking for. So I encourage you to think about that. Let us move now into prayers. Prayers of the people. Please uh, be in prayer. Well, I thank you. I guess let me start off. Thank you all for your prayers um, for my family and for Selena. She is home, um, so that's the good news. She did have to come home on a feeding pump, so that's the bad news, I guess, uh, and, and still some medicine. So uh, it's going to be a while um, until she's out and about and uh, back to hopefully where she needs to be, but uh, at least she's home, and that's uh, better than the last 25 days in the hospital. So thank you. Uh, Bob Butler has had at least two strokes this week. I believe he is still in Swedes, but he might be moving to Van Mater. Uh, so we need to pray for Bob and Carol, uh, please. Uh, Carol, I believe, is, is still going home. Um, so, you know, you can call them at home, uh, see if there's anything that she needs. Uh, I did mention in the prayer chain, you know, she's had to do a lot more driving than she's comfortable with and then she has had to do so. You know, if anybody's got some time, you could give a ride, maybe even to the hospital or, you know, help with groceries, that kind of stuff, just to, to help in transportation. Um, you know, I think that would be appreciated. Uh, and I lift up the Larson family, and um, some of you know Courtney. She was confirmed here, and uh, her mother, TJ, who, who's also been here. Um, and, of course, their family are good friends of, of our church and the Winters family. Uh, their mother, uh, TJ, uh, did pass away this week after her a long battle with cancer, and so we just pray for the Larson family and um, send them their love. I believe the funeral was going to be next Friday at Roscoe, um, so uh, they had been uh, attending Roscoe, and um, Courtney's little sister was just confirmed last week there, so uh, just encourage you to send us support and uh, blessings uh, to just a wonderful family and a tragic, tragic loss. So let us be in prayer, and as we do, of course, I will bring petitions and at the end of each petition, I will say, Lord, in your mercy, and you will respond, hear our prayers. And at the end of the time, I will offer any other names to uh, the congregation if you would just like to lift them up. And after every name, we will say, Lord, in your mercy. Let us. Lord, we come gathered together lifting of our prayers to those you came to seek and save. Jesus, we pray for the poor. Allow us to share good news with them. Challenge us to fight against poverty and hunger in whatever forms they take. Lord, in your mercy. Jesus, we pray for prisoners. 
those in cells of greed and addiction, those in our jails and prisons, those in a prison of fear and abuse. Help us offer freedom to all people in your name. Lord, in your mercy. Jesus, we pray for the blind, those physically unable to see. Grant them healing if it be your will and allow us to be their eyes. We pray for those spiritually blind. Remove the cloud of doubt and darkness away from them so that they may see your light. Lord, in your mercy. Jesus, we pray for the oppressed. Do not allow our words, actions, or thoughts be used to spread oppression. Allow us to offer liberation to all those in need and liberate our hearts from evil and hate. Lord, in your mercy. Lord, we lift up now any name that is coming to our heart that we would share with yours. Lord, in your mercy. 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 Lord, this is the time of your favor. Send your spirit to guide and teach us. Make every move one closer to you and your kingdom. And let all of our works before your glory. We pray this in your holy name. Amen. Let us now receive the offering for the work of our church. Uh, if ushers would like to collect the offering, I will share a couple announcements. Uh, we do have Courtney Larson did graduate high school, so we have a uh, congratulations card out there if you'd like to sign for Courtney. Uh, if there's any other graduates uh, that you know or uh, love and you'd like us to uh, send them a, just a congratulations, let us know and we can do that as well or anyone else. Uh, again, we are still kind of looking and discerning uh, new possible chairs of our leadership team and personnel team. So those are in your New Life notes. If you are not receiving our newsletter or if you are not on the prayer chain and would like to be, uh, if you have not received any information from us, uh, make sure you fill out one of these. You can give it to me or Jeff or you can put it in the offering plate bag and uh, you know, let us know if there's a special prayer request you have. Certainly you can do that. You can always fill out a blue prayer card too so that we are praying for you. There are also sign-up sheets out there. Um, there's some sign-up sheets out here on the wall. You can check those out. Uh, we also have sign-up sheets for food items, food donations for Vacation Bible School. So uh, if you have that, that's out in the coffee shop. Take a minute and look. Uh, see if there's some food items you can donate to help that as well. Um, I will let you know after this week, I have some uh, things coming in for schools at the end of the school year for Paper Angel Closet. I will let you know here um, what we are low on and if there's anything else we need at the moment. I've not had a lot of time in there um, at, at the uh, uh, immediate last couple of weeks, so I'm not sure if we're low on anything, but I will let you know if we are. And I think that's it. Let us now move to the table. And as we do, we join together in an act of confession. 
This one written by Nancy Townley. Let us pray this prayer together. Lord, you know how easy it is for us to sit here tethered to our darkness and fear. We get bound up by chains of mistrust. We dare not to hope for so many times before we have been disappointed. So we sit here and wonder where you are. We are not unlike the disciples who wondered also who feared. Lord, come to us in our darkness. Flood us with your powerful light of love and mercy. Help open our eyes to the good news of your eternal glory. Give us the visions of the place in which love and hope will reign. Forgive our stubborn resistance to your mercy and your love. For we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. And I just offer you a moment of silence to bring to Christ anything you would. Where you are. Petitions. Confessions. Praises. Amen. Let the light of God's eternal love flood into your hearts this day. Feel the healing presence of God in your lives. Accept God's love and hope for you. This is God's gift freely given to you by Jesus Christ, risen Savior. Amen. As we come to the table, I remind you that we practice open table communion, which means all are welcome at this table regardless of denomination or creed or affiliation if you look to be in relationship with god and your neighbor you are welcome here to affirm that inclusive nature we use gluten-free bread and grape juice instead of wine i remind you as we come to the table there are a few things we believe about this event called the lord's supper this holy mystery. They are things that are important to us and so we respond to them week by week. This is why we do this every week. Every time we gather, we believe we should come around the table. First, that this is an experience of Eucharist, which means thanksgiving. So when we come to the table, we give thanks to God who created the heavens and the earth, who created you and me, and who wants to have a relationship with each person here tonight. We leave the table giving thanks for all that we have received and for all that God is going to do in our lives. We come around this table communally as an act of communion because we believe that not only are we gathered here by ourselves, but all brothers and sisters across the globe join us at this table. All brothers and sisters who have been or who will be join us around this table as an act of fellowship, it is an act of community. And it encourages us to be in community, whatever we do, to gather around tables, at work, at home, on the street, wherever we serve, to gather in community and change our world. We do this as a remembrance. And by that I mean we remember on the night Jesus was betrayed, He took bread giving thanks to God and giving it to his disciples. He said, take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. After the meal, he took the cup. He gave thanks to God and he said, drink from this, all of you. 
For this is my blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this. Remembrance of me. When we come to the table, we believe it is a means of grace, a moment and a time when we can experience God's loving action in our lives. And so we come ready to receive that grace and accepting it. And we pray this prayer. Lord, pour out your Holy Spirit upon all those gathered here and upon these gifts of bread and wine. Truly make them be for us your body that we may be your body of the church redeemed by your blood for this world and the next. Make us one as you are one. We come to the table remembering the sacrifice Christ made for us on the cross. But we also offer ourselves as holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us. And we remember the mystery of our faith. I'll say a line and you repeat it. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. And finally, this is an eschatological moment. It is a foretaste of what life will be like when Christ comes again and we feast at His heavenly banquet. And so we leave this place empowered, enlightened, illuminated with God's grace and mercy so that we can be that experience that foretaste for others. So I invite you to the table. I ask my servers to come forward. I remind you that the band uh, is served first and then they will lead us in praise. I remind you to receive a piece of bread, dip it in the cup. Feel free to go to the baptismal font, remember your baptism. Light a candle in honor or memory of someone just to invite the Spirit into your life during this last part of our worship, or do a prayer concern if you have to. This is the body of Christ, broken, so that you may be Christ's body, the church. And this is the blood of Christ, shed, so that you may be forgiven and have new life. The table is set. Come and eat.